Welcome back to episode four of Next Wealth Insights. This is Heather Hopkins, founder, managing director of Next Wealth. Delighted to have you back with us to hear from Daniel Harrison, CEO of True Potential. Daniel recorded these comments in an interview with me in Newcastle um, in preparation for Next Wealth Live. He shares his thoughts on True Potential's future strategy, hybrid advice, and what the next generation will want from financial advice and True Potential. Stay tuned to the end. Um, you'll be able to hear my colleague Emma Napier and I reflect on Daniel's comments. Right, so now I have the very awkward pleasure of watching myself on screen in a really, really, really big um, big screen. Um, so I mentioned Daniel Harrison couldn't come today, unfortunately. Um, but. Uh, we wanted to hear from, from him and True Potential because um, they're an incredibly successful business and, um, and much talked about. So they're just about to release their 2022 numbers. So you're getting a preview of their results. So assets, customers, etc. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me up in Newcastle. No, thank you very much for coming and apologies I'm not there in person today. Not at all, not at all. Um, I know that the audience at Next Wealth Live are really interested in hearing about your future strategy, your views on hybrid advice, and um, you know, some thoughts about engaging with the next generation of customer. Before we get into that though, um, I think it'd probably be a good idea just to give a you know, bit of an update on how's the business, um, and, and I know you have some numbers coming out that maybe you can share a little yeah. bit of a highlight with us. Yeah, um, it feels strange saying this, Heather, after what's been a, a rocky 2022 for, for many firms out there. But I think we look back on 2022 with a bit of validation. Um, why do I say validation? I think we've had a, a business model, a strategy which we've stuck to over a number of years, which is all about being fine, finding high quality advisors with high quality clients and giving them a high quality proposition as well. And we put out our best, well, in fact, we did have our best ever year in 2022. We brought on close to 6.8 billion pound of gross new assets, um, of which we um, we kept the vast majority of that as well, which is always such a great marker for us. We look at the gross flows versus the net flows. Uh, and it's a fab indicator for us that we're not losing clients because it validates again, the long-term strategy and onboarding process which we have for our clients. So we started the year close to 21 billion pound in 2022 and finished it closer to 24 uh, billion pound of total assets. Uh, we added close to 75,000 new clients onto the platform. And we also um, went into partnership with 159 new wealth management partners, which grew True Potential Wealth Management, which is the wealth arm of True Potential uh, to 1,053 advisors in total. So a uh, hard year last year, I think there was a lot of messaging where we had to speak to clients, where we had to keep them settled, remind them that investing is actually not a short term game, it's a medium to long term side of things. So as always with markets, these things should and will pass. Um, so spent a lot of time with that, but also a lot of time with advisors, getting them onboarded with the technology, with the true potential way of working and really help them prosper and help indeed their clients prosper as well. So I think those results probably speak to why people are so interested in understanding your strategy because yeah. it's clearly a strategy that's working. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing I want to pick up in particular is, is the number of advisors that you said were coming into the firm and the number of new clients because yeah. there's a lot of talk about consolidation in the advisor market but 
but you don't think of True Potential as a consolidator, but you're recruiting advisors. So can you talk yeah. us through what that model looks like to help us understand that a bit? Yeah, Heather, we, we, we treat everybody, be it the client or be it the advisor, as an individual, which I think is quite a clear delineation from a consolidator. A consolidator treats advisors and clients as a commodity, as a bulk. We'll move 100 advisors across and they'll bring 1,000 clients across. And then what we'll do is we'll spend one, two, three, five years trying to make sense of it. We may bring them into a central investment proposition. We might not. Um, that obviously works for some firms out there. It's not up to me to bash or not a consolidated model. There's some great businesses out there. But our approach is different. Um, what we start with is, is the financial advisor and all of their clients going to be suitable to work with us at True Potential? So... I mentioned we, we ended up working with 159 new advisors last year, but we probably engaged with three to 400 advisors last year. So, you know, as you can imagine, that's quite a high attrition rate from advisors who maybe had a discussion with us, maybe wanted to join us, but either we or they felt it wasn't right. And it's important that that kind of delineation set right up front as well, because we want to work with people who want to work with true potential. We want to work with people who um, have commonality in terms of our investment philosophy, in terms of our approach to technology, indeed in terms of our approach to the client as well. So um, from there, those 159 advisors are onboarded one by one. We recruit them for their own merits. But something we also do is we look in a great deal of detail about what their clients look like as well. Um, Again, true potential is not an all things for all men or all women proposition. It's a proposition which suits a certain demographic of clients, you know, clients who are pre predominantly in ISA or pension vehicles. They're happy with, say, the almost the autopilot investment approach that we have with true potential portfolios where we're doing the advanced diversification. We're making the investment calls every day for clients and for advisors. Um, and also I think clients and advisors who a happy being serviced um, using technology, technology which does the heavy lifting uh, from there as well. So we only ever bring, as I've said, an advisor on, on a one-by-one -one basis, but for advisors who are looking to retire and who are passing the service and rights of those clients across to true potential, importantly, we only onboard a client one-by-one -one as well. So what do I mean by that? The client has to explicitly agree that they are happy to move away from that advisor who's maybe retiring or stepping back. And the client agrees that they're gonna be serviced predominantly via the technology and predominantly via our head office team. They do that via their own portal where all of the information, the proposition, the charges, the proposed investment approach is there. Only once the client has read that, digitally signed it, do we then move to the next step with the client, which is then we actually phone them up and we ensure they agree. That can sound like an awful long way to do things, um, but it really works well for us. Why? Because it's treating the client as an individual, it's listening to their wishes, it's respecting their wishes. We're not just saying sign a piece of paper and move across, which is typically what you see with, with other models out there. That then speaks volumes, I think, for our retention of clients. So we've been doing this for, although it seems like it's, this is new and it gets spoken about you know, only the last year or two, We've been doing this for five plus years now. And when we rewind that all the way back, our retention rate has stayed at 98% of all clients who we get. So great track record now of 
onboarding clients and advisors in the right way and then keeping that long-term relationship with them. Yeah. So that that technology infrastructure that you're providing to the clients to support them in through that journey, yeah. I think that's it's really interesting. There's been a lot of talk about the role of hybrid advice to give access to advice to a wider market. I think it's 7% of the UK population have ac- has access to ongoing financial yeah. advice, and that's partly cost, it's partly capacity, it's all sorts of issues. Um, but can you talk a little bit about what that technology infrastructure looks like? And do, do you call it hybrid advice? Is that We call it hybrid when the client moves across in the head office. Um, so really, if you, we've got three core pillars. You've got face-to-face advice, which is what we call the traditional advisor-led relationship. Then we've got hybrid, where head office are doing the main guidance and advice. And then we've got our unadvised D2C side of things as well. So hybrid is certainly what we call it when the advisor decides to step back and trusts us with the service and arrangements of the client. Um, but importantly for us, what we have at True Potential, we have one platform, and it's not an investment or pension platform, it's just one tech stack of which everything sits within there, everything from how we give advice through the running the trades and, and rebalancing clients through the fees, uh, everything else you'd expect. But we don't have one platform over there and a back office there and a front office there. It's just it's one tech stack, one set of data and multiple views from there. What that means is the onboarding journey for an advised client is very similar to a hybrid client. It's very similar to an unadvised client. There's obviously some quirks in terms of regulation and what we have to do. There's obviously some quirks in terms of allowing advisors face-to-face personality to shine through versus say the hybrid side of things. But when it comes to what our clients want, it's not too dissimilar when you look across the piece. Um, what, what, what do I mean by that? Like last year, we had 6.7 million logins into our client portals. Our client portals are available on, on the web, on a normal browser. They're also available on mobile apps, for, you know, so either Android handsets or iPhone um, are, are the two core ones. And for the first time ever last year, more people than ever logged in using the mobile apps than versus the, the browser. Uh, I think we had about 4.4, 4.5 million mobile logins, uh, you know, versus say two and a bit million on, on, on the web. What are clients doing uh, when they're on there? They're predominantly checking their valuations, as you can guess, um, but they're also contacting us. Um, and they're not contacting us necessarily for what you, we'd often assume, certainly we being the advisor community here, which is if you speak to a lot of advisors, and certainly we do this, it can be difficult for an advisor to dislocate what they've done versus what they're doing on an ongoing basis. Nobody better in the world, I don't think, can convince a client to get on that savings and pensions journey like an advisor. That's why robo-advice hasn't worked because clients don't snap out of bed in the morning and say, I need a pension today. The, an advisor... As I said, nobody does it better than says, if you want a happy retirement, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. You're going to have to save some money. You're going to have to stop spending as much there and just get on that savings journey. And that's why they've done an incredible job over 20, 30, 40 years of building those clients up. But predominantly what we find is once clients start to get to a certain age and they get to a certain level of asset, it becomes less of an ongoing advice piece and it becomes more of an ongoing guidance piece which is for a lot of clients, is my money growing? Is the money growing against a goal as well, which is 
I need to have this much to be able to retire so I can then go into drawdown for 25 years and live off an income of 25,000, 30,000 pound a year or whatever it is. That's where some of our technology does a lot of that heavy lifting. It also removes a lot of the administrative burden, burdensome tasks which we see advisors have. Um, things such as annual suitability reviews, for instance. What a time killer that is for an advisor. You know, a best case scenario takes from half an hour to an hour per client, you know, at least once a year, obviously we're annual. Um, from there, if you're an advisor and you've got 150 or 200 clients, you can imagine all of a sudden you have to spend 200 hours a year, basically just refact finding a client who you've known yeah. for, for many years. But that sounds like a dream because I think half hour to an hour, that's probably within a you know closed infrastructure. Yeah. Like the average in the industry from our research is about four and a half hours. Yeah, sorry. I'm so, told, yeah, I'm, so much I'm, higher I'm, when you I'm get spoiled. out of yeah, yeah, but, you yeah, know, exactly. some, some of the beauty of one platform, one set of data and the way in which we are integrated is all of that is pulled in for the advisor already. But what we did is we took that one step further and what we actually said to our advisors and direct to our clients, you, Mr. or Mrs. Client, just go onto your site and do your annual suitability review yourself. Update all of your details. So I think from pulling data via open banking to make sure your expenditure and income is up to date, through to making sure your risk profile is set and your goals are still relevant from there. Do that yourself, client. Um, what that'll then do is that'll notify us if there's any material changes, which obviously require intervention then from the advisor. But typically, it allows the client to also tick off what I imagine they find quite an annoying process as well. If your advisor's coming out to see you, you don't want to spend an hour telling them that nothing's changed. You're like, I still earn the same as I did. I still have two children. I still live in the same house. It's quite, it becomes quite box ticking and formulaic. Whereas when you're seeing your advisor, when you're seeing your professional, you want to talk about, is my investment doing well? You know, what should we be looking at in the future? What should we be planning on? Should we be saving less now or saving more as we go into accumulation or decumulation? That's what advisors can do best out there. So where our technology can come in, it just removes some of those laborious tasks and allows either advisors or when it becomes the hybrid side of things with our teams here, allows us to have meaningful conversations with, with clients rather than box ticking uh, uh, conversations with clients. Makes a lot of sense. And that's how we think about hybrid advice is making best use of the machine and the human. Correct. So yeah. looking looking forward to, you know, it's it's always hard to look in the crystal ball yeah. predict the future. But but if we look forward to how, you know, you're thinking about how customers you know, five, ten years yeah. down the track might want to interact with true potential. Yeah. How, how do you see that changing and evolving? Um, I think we've seen some of the changes already, Heather. I think our number one query, which we get from our clients who live in the hybrid channel there, we've got 60,000 clients who we look after at head office. Um, our number one query is, I've forgotten how to log in, or I've lost my password. Um, so we have two teams quite deliberately as well. We have the what we call the guidance team, um, the customer care team. Then we have our advisors as well. And we almost, I hate to use this term because it gets misused, but we almost have a triage process in place where when our clients phone or live chat in, they speak to the guidance team first before speaking to the advisors. Um, and that's because most of the queries can get handled by the guidance team. And again, this goes back to some of the misnomer, I think, in our industry, which is I need to speak to an advisor. Typically, you don't. You just need to know, 
Is my money safe? Is it growing? Or how do I log in? Or everything in, in between. We back that up with a lot of communication, a lot of marketing. So every single client of ours is given a personalized 12-month calendar, which says, you know, we're going to do traditional marketing to them on, you know, this type of day. So normal push media of everything from videos through the newsletters. But there's also uh, certain interventions for the year where we're going to be deliberately talking to clients about certain things. And our next wave of technology is hyper-personalization. As you can imagine, having one platform and one set of data means we hold vast amounts of information about clients. We've got about 30 terabytes of client data in total. That covers everything from what they've been fact-finded with through to what they do when they're on the website. How long do they spend on this page? How long do they look at this? How do, you know What do they look at first? And that's not a case of us being voyeurs for the sake of it, far from it. It's if we can find out what clients are interested in and what they're doing, we can begin to give more and more personalization to that hybrid solution for the client. So uh, to use an example, you as a client, you may only ever log in at 7 a.m. on your mobile device, typically Monday to Friday. So we can start to make some assumptions, which is looks like Heather's commuting in. She might be on the train or what have you. She's using a mobile device, um, even following the IP from you know one site to another. So the best time to contact Heather would be between 7 and 8 a.m. weekdays because we know she's live and online. She's doing her admin then. The best time not to contact her would be Saturday on our web browser because she's never logged in at the site that way. Versus a client who maybe every Sunday morning logs in on the web browser, downloads their valuation report. So that's the right time to contact that client and that might be via an email versus say via a push notification on a mobile device. So that's certainly one of the changes we're doing, which is again, using technology to give the insights, but combining that with the personal touch. One of the things we definitely do not want is for any of our clients to think like they're just a number. We want them to know that they're an individual that has a true potential. We want them to know that their money, be it a pound or be it a million pound, is precious to us as well, and we don't take it for granted. So insights and personalization really helps with that. I think that's what the consumer's gonna want as well. We've seen such a take up in the technology I mentioned before, you know, the 6.7 million logins last year is a record for us. And that, that's been something which has grew year on year. We, we first brought out an iPhone app when the first iPhone came out, so that's 13, 14 years ago now. And I remember the uproar from advisors, which is my clients don't want to look at their valuations on a phone. Um, you know, my clients want to speak to me and we're like, well, do you think? You know, and, and you know, happy to say we've been born out with that and won that debate in the main with our advisors. Um, also happy to say most of our advisors are very open-minded and will listen and work with us. Um, but I think some of that comes from not looking at what our industry does, but looking at what the consumer does. So again, you, you, you've got the train here today, Heather. Um, I bet everybody was on their iPads or on the phones looking down. So by studying what the consumer is doing every single day naturally, not necessarily studying what they're doing in financial services, but what are they doing just as a normal person? We should be looking to replicate that and bring that into financial services, as opposed to I think what our industry are very guilty of, which is doing things to suit ourselves. Yeah. How do we make it more efficient for the admin team? How do we 
you know, if you just make it right for the client, make them happy, make them delighted, work backwards from there, you'll win by default yeah. uh, from there. So I think clients will want that. I think, see, with the news today about pension relief, you know, and that, 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 that side of things with the... the Allowance now just been <laughs> unlimited, apparently. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Yes, yeah. exactly. um, from there, I think it's going to bring a more front and centre about the power of long-term planning and also the power of being able to look after those clients, not just throughout their lifetime, but keeping that pension alive and being able to pass that down to your beneficiaries uh, from there. Really nice bit of pensions freedom work, which doesn't get talked about a lot, really, which is... You know, when, when average age of our clients, when the advisor steps back, tend to be 56, 57. They tend to have 70% of those, so their assets in pensions. If we get that right, and if we look after the, that client, we've potentially got 25 years of helping that client manage their pension uh, without the advisor being there, because the advisor stepped back, they're gone. Average age, you, you, you'll know this better than me, but average age of an advisor is 61 in the directly authorised side of things, they're not going to want to work for another 20 years to look after those clients as they get into the decumulation drawdown stage. That is where a hybrid player like True Potential can step in and help with that. And if we do the right job and we look after that client for that 25 years or so, um, A, they're going to have a really happy retirement, which is so key. We want clients to be happy, of course. But if we manage the money in the right fashion, that 200, 300,000 pound pension pot might still be intact. If you get, obviously not the markets at the moment, but if you get enough growth and you balance that out against the income, the pot could stay alive. You get the beneficiaries lined up correctly, let's say 98% to, 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 to the client's wife or husband, and 1%, 1% of the client's two children. Um, it need never be collapsed. It can sit outside of the estate from there. So all of a sudden, you can then look after the client's children as well. And you can imagine then the excitement of being able to say, this isn't just technology for a few years. This is a flight path for two, three generations uh, to protect the hard-earned you know, pension savings of their initial clients from there. And I think that's a really nice message as well, which is we're not just looking after you, sir or madam. We're going to look after your children and make sure it's not guilty of what you tend to say out there, which is as people pass away, a solicitor does the worst possible thing, writes to us and collapses the pension straight away, cash in cashes it. All of those tax benefits are then lost for good versus you get your set up right with beneficiaries. Yeah. It can last a long time. Yeah. And that's right. about as exciting as I can get with pensions, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. And it also speaks to the, the future, uh, yeah. the, the future strength of true potential and the business model. Um, yeah. I'm conscious that we have a lot to cover at the conference, yes. so I'm going to have to wrap up, but I have one last question. Um, given your interest in technology, new technologies, you're interested on the horizon, anything, yeah. anything catching your eye? I know we'll be talking a little bit about ChatGPT, no doubt, at the conference. I think ChatGPT is very interesting. Um, I can see how it could work hand in glove with advisors and with hybrid advice firms as well. Um, why, why do I say that? You heard me talking before about some of the burdensome tasks advisors have to do with annual suitability reviews and consumer duty is going to bring more of that ahead as well. Again, 
just almost saying to clients, are you getting value for money? And it, yeah, tick, 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 well, I'll take that in, put, put it all around. If you can get smart AI to do some of that work and even engage with a client, I think as long as a client knows about it, I think that's an important trust thing where I know personally as a consumer, again, putting ourselves in a consumer's point of view, it's a turn off for me, I know, when I'm dealing with a bot, especially one which was pretending to be a person. If you can just be straightforward uh, with it. Um, but I, I, I think it can remove like long-winded tasks which advisors shouldn't have to do. An advisor is best when they're getting to know the clients, when they're adding some individuality within there, and then ensuring that that client is on the right flight path. Good technology, be it ChatGPT or be it anything else, can help put that in an approach without it being too cookie cutter as well. And I think that's the other kind of warning I'd always say to, to, to anybody else in our industry. Don't make a cookie cutter when it comes to technology. Treat, them as, treat the client as an individual. Let them know they're getting the personalization needed. And that way the client feels good. And they don't say that the technology is just a cheap way of replacing jobs. Yeah, absolutely. And that data and technology allows you to deliver that personalization, which is so exciting. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely fascinating. And I'm sure there will be loads of questions which we'll have to send you separately after. Thank you, Daniel. Look forward to them. Thanks very much, Heather. I thought that was a really interesting session from Daniel. He shared a lot of insight into his business and numbers before they were published. The firm is on an incredible trajectory with strong numbers for recruitment and advisors, remarkable retention rates. And Emma, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this in particular, because you used to work at True Potential, so know the business even better than many people. I did. Um, and it was really, really interesting to hear Daniel's voice again, but also to hear his passion in the delivery of all of that information that um, you collected whilst you were interviewing him. I've got lots and lots to say, but one of the standout um, numbers that Daniel mentioned in that interview was just how many customers, end customers, are logging into a mobile app to obtain information about their financial affairs through a True Potential app. Um, And the other outstanding marker for that was that True Potential had an app 13 years ago and no one had um, a mobile app in in those days, certainly for finances. And it did make me smile at the the battle that Daniel mentioned in terms of everybody indicating that no one was ever going to use a a mobile app to look at their finances and we'd always go through advisors. But, But look, what's happened they'd had their biggest year ever in mobile logins um nathan earlier spoke about in the previous session hargreaves lansdowne and how they're looking at customers as well and and this is a true testament to just how engaged customers want to be yeah absolutely i loved i wrote down one of the one of the comments that daniel made studying what the customer is doing as a normal person so thinking outside of their life in financial services and we're so myopic as an industry right we think about how are people interacting what do they think about their finances are they aware of the brands and it's all really important stuff but actually if you start at first principles it's 
how does the customer behave, studying that behavior and understanding how you can integrate yourself best into that existing behavior. Because trying to change the way people behave is impossible. So I loved I loved that comment when he was talking about hyper-personalization and meeting the customer where they are. It's such a powerful reminder of what we need to do in communicating with customers. Yeah, it's also quite shocking when he said, are you one of those people that reviews their finances on a, a Sunday night at seven o'clock or whatever? Of a time we said um, and and it's actually quite shocking that um, as an industry the technology has advanced so much that we can actually obtain that information or that level of information um, but as Dan said we have to make sure that we play that back and exactly what you just said there Heather to to the customer and personalize things in the right way that that match their habits yeah, one of the things I wanted to pick up was um, I mean, one of the challenges that a number of firms are facing is that they're losing business to true potential. And Stephen Levine even called it out in Quilter's recent, recent results um, to say that one of the threats to their business is that is that advisors retiring are going to true potential. And, and Daniel talked about that recruitment of advisors that I've already mentioned. And when we wrote our report on consolidators and aggregators, it was really interesting because we couldn't call them consolidator or an aggregator or an acquirer because they're recruiting advisors. It's the client that signs on to that, not the advice, it's an advised process, which is such a different approach to other firms, but a really successful model, obviously, and posing a bit of a threat to, to other firms. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the um, stats that he mentioned is that they're regularly checking in on new clients that are coming across with those advisors. And also the stats when they review them um, at periodic times throughout the year that those clients aren't leaving either. So they must be doing something right along the way um, for, because the clients aren't leaving and everyone's going away um, pretty happy. I think they've done a lot of work. Um, I think Daniel said that um, they've been on this trajectory in terms of recruiting advisors for five years. Um, so he was, um, you know, th there's tweaks and things that you can make along the way, but the stats say, oh, clients aren't leaving. Um, is it the technology that they like? Is it the proposition that they like? Be interesting to um, to talk more to uh, to Daniel about that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, fantastic session. And next up will be a session from Helena Wardle. So stay tuned for next week's podcast where you'll hear from a financial planner um, with a very different business, a small directly authorized business, but making waves in her own way. Thanks, Emma. Thank you. Thank you.